Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 23, Episode 9, Great Balls on Fire, the book Rogue Planet by Greg Bear, the year 2000, with your hosts Jeff and John. Let's go! Hey everybody, welcome back to X Pounded Universe, Pounded in the X, a Chuck Tingle podcast. Yeah, pounded in the X by my knowledge of Star Wars lore. Hi buckaroos. <laughs> uh, that's right, that's what I sound like. I'm Chuckery Tingle, that's my full legal name. Chuckery Tingle. Uh-huh. I'm Australian. I <laughs> uh, give him the old Chuckery Tingles. <laughs> that sounded more New Zealandy, but I, uh-huh. I like it more. <laughs> Uh, of course, uh, I'm just visiting Australia. I'm from New Zealand. Or, yeah, I like to give them the chicory tingles. That's <laughs> uh, my favorite thing to do. <laughs> so, uh, I'm Jeff, and that's John. How you doing? I'm doing fabulous. <laughs> I'm Honestly, I'm proud that I managed to slip into a New Zealand out, a- accent without saying igs. <laughs> <laughs> is that a usual requirement for you? Yeah, well, Mine I mean, is there, swear wolves there are various words dickhead. that are like, yeah. oh, this is what lets you slip into... Yeah. A voice. Yeah, sure. Dickhead's mine for getting into New Zealand. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which I will not do, because I'm terrible at it. Plus, that word is vulgar. <laughs> I will not say that vulgar word that I've said twice now. Never would I utter the word dickhead for, for the crass purpose of slipping into my New Zealand accent. <laughs> now, penis face, however. <laughs> Our swearwolves. My, my favorite Dick Tracy villain, penis face. <laughs> he actually looks like a totally normal guy. It's just an un, uh, uh, unfortunate name. Oh, see, no, I was immediately like, oh, it's a dude, and he's got a scar that runs down the middle of his face, so mm-hmm. he's got, and then he's kind of like chubby around the around the cheek, so it's got that kind of like, okay, it's got the, the, the top down of the dick, you're okay. looking at the head. Oh, oh, interesting, okay, no, yeah. that's fine, okay, I, I was, I feel more like it was, like he had, like, a really cleft chin, so he had, like, ball chin. So you're turning and, his entire thing into the dick and balls. No, no, I'm not. I was I was picturing it as, like, the scar was, like, maybe an inch or two across, and it ran down the center of his face. So it was, like, a shaft, and then the chin was balls. Ah, uh, see, no, I'm, I'm like, the scar in the middle is the opening of the urethra. Uh, Let's get a- into the anatomy of a dick now, and a Dick Tracy de- villain. If you were designing a Dick Tracy villain named Penis Face... <laughs> How would you go about it? Audience, let us know. Yeah. No, actually we're going to we're going to solve that for you right actually, now. Actually no, don't let us know. Yeah. Whatever you think is nor- not going to be anywhere near as good as what we think. Not good enough. We're the experts on penis-headed villains. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm also picturing that maybe he's just got like luxated eyeballs like they popped out of their sockets a long time ago, but also like scar tissue grew up around them so they both look like tiny like flaccid wieners. So he's actually got two flaccid wieners that tip <laughs> end in eyeballs. Oh, that's awful. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not a very good Dick Tracy villain designer. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did come up with the concept of flat top, but, but you know, that's just because I'm unfathomably elderly. <laughs> so, uh, good. I'm glad you're doing well. Everything's great. <laughs> so, you want to do the when last we left our heroes type stuff, or what are we doing here? Sure. So, when last we left off on our wonderful little adventure... Our main heroes, Obi-Wan and Anakin, have taken their clingy balls and Mm -hmm. uh, they have headed deep into the crust of Zonama, 
because they are going to head to a factory valley with a underground river. They are taking their balls to go be shaped by the shapers and the forgers. Yeah, they're and taking we... their balls and they're going home. I mean, to a factory. <laughs> I'm taking my ball and going to a factory. <laughs> I have a job. I'm a job creator. <laughs> I'm a 30-year-old man, and I live in a steel town. <laughs> Which means after a hard day of working, I want to go watch modern dance where no one takes their top off. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> uh, and they met the actual version of the mental projection of the Magister's daughter that they had met previously. So now we have her... Her name is Jabatha. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I, that, I think it's probably something else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is wild. Uh, meanwhile, Sinar has sent Key Dave down to the planet with a little droid that he got that is a introductions droid. A droid that is specifically there, much like the weird worm monster that brought Obi-Wan and Anakin. This is a droid that... Uh, the Zonama Sakotans have sent out into the world to find, uh, prospective buyers for these ships. Right. So he's got a little personality quiz that he does to make sure you might be able to do it. Key Dave passes. He sends Key Dave and like six billion credits down to the surface to go try and get one of these ships. Yep. And that is where we left off. Yes. It was a lot of very slow wheel spinning. We are very carefully layering these pieces into position given that at this as of this episode we are moving to the slightly past the halfway point of the book oh yeah we are i would say well past halfway at yeah. this point like chapter yeah you're right ha we're past halfway chapter wise i think there's like 65 or 69 chapters in this book which is nuts yes uh but like i was looking through it and i'm like oh the last like five or six chapters are all just like two pages each yeah yeah. So, wild stuff, but Sinar has been the biggest disappointment since he left Tarkin, because it is full fucking wheel spin horse shit. Let's, let, I mean, let's be real, though. I do love the man. I, honestly, every time they come to him, I'm like, I'm sad that all of your chapters are like three pages long, and you you get basically no business before we head back to Anakin is excited about a spaceship, the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's It's not great. The uh, trying to move Anakin forward with guessing about what the path to Vader was going to look like with no kind of attack of the clones to help back you up really does hurt this book. Yeah, I mean, we do get at least one good premonition of how he gets fucked up and turned into Vader in this. Yeah, that was kind of a neat little moment, right? Yeah, yeah that was kind of cool. But anyway, it starts with they're on the boat and the, Anakin is now kind of getting cruised by Jabatha. <laughs> Yeah, Jabatha's really risen up uh, <laughs> Anakin here. Yeah, it's a, it's a surprise. They're still sort of moving along. She's like gently explaining how things work. But at the start of this chapter, Anakin has fallen asleep. Well, yeah, because they have been traveling for over a full ass day at this yes. point. They're on a slow little gondola in the like the black and red normal boat. So instead of taking an actual like fast jet or plane or whatever to wherever they're going on the planet they're on like a little fucking zeppelin yeah and then by the time they get to the cave that they need to use to go down into the planet it's already been basically a full day then they have to have a little fucking boat ride on an underground river and anakin is done yes he's starting to lose interest 
uh, Gan has explained to them over and over again that all this pomp and circumstance and wearing special robes and everything is like, impo- it's like ritualistically part of it, you know? Yeah. But Obi-Wan has basically thrown cold water on that from the beginning. He's like, no, you just don't want to fly us over the factory so we don't see the top of the factory or know where it's location or anything like that. Yeah, you're just trying to hide a lot of your little planetary secrets and taking us on a weird circuitous route. I totally get it. We understand why you're doing this, but would you at least quit blowing smoke? Because we know that this is all just operational security. Like, yeah. this is... Sure, you told us it's because we have to wear the special robes because it's our special day, but... I mean, I, I come from Coruscant. I am used to people doing fucking OPSEC. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me a lot of a Star Wars story uh, for me, which is the second time I went through the lightsaber build experience at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Because they bring out, you know, they do all this pomp and circumstance where they slowly explain all the colors, which is hilarious to me because to this day, they still, the four colors they let you pick from in the construction build are green, blue, red, and purple. And they have to list the the famous people who have carried each one of these sabers. And when they get to purple, they go, purple is the color of power and, and majesty. Mace Windu. Okay, moving on. And you're like, you could at least make up a Jedi or something. You could be like, oh, yeah, they also belong to like Flup McDougus. Just just do one of those. Yeah. It's just It's fine. People will believe you. It's it, fine. This was the famous lightsaber of Mace Windu and Pants Flubus. Yeah. <laughs> and others. Just that sort of thing. <laughs> I, I wonder if it's contractually like required that, that uh, Jap- Sam Jackson was like, I want a purple lightsaber. And also, I want the only purple lightsaber there will ever be. Because <laughs> just fucking put in another one already so we nah. can have some more guys. Nah. <laughs> At least the new guy on Ahsoka has, like, an orange one. A new color has entered the battle. Ooh. Yeah. Although it looks more red in the actual show. I was disappointed. Mm. Anyway. Um, so, uh, what I meant to get to is, when they bring the parts around, I was like, oh, I, I know which one I wanted to build, and it's very easy to identify the best parts from the not best parts, and I had to build these things. So, they brought me my tray, and I was like, click, clack, slip, slap, dip, dip, done. And the lady comes around, and she's like, you, have you done this before? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, you're supposed to save her. Like, it's going to take everyone else like 15 minutes. Ah. And I was like, that's cool. I'm going to consider those other parts for a while, but I, I'm sorry if I ruined the majesty. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I fucked it up. Oh, no. I wait. I mean, it's my fucking 200 some dollars. You let me spend them how I want. Nah. <laughs> All right. So uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, Jabatha is at one point lightly pats Anakin on the head when he gets a question right. And she's like, well, what do you think this does? And he's like, uh, is it build spaceships out of fucking balls? And she's like, very good. And she like taps him on the head and he's like, what the hell was that? And she goes, oh, it's just a sign that means I think you're very smart. Ah. And now while he's sleeping, she's still sitting there rubbing this kid's head. I mean, she's, she's doing the very protective thing of like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, gently move the hair out of your face and shit while you're sleeping. Obi-Wan, however, is just like deep in the mentor pseudo father feels at the moment. Yes. Yeah. He's like, wow, look at that boy. He's got this whole like routine about what it was like to see Anakin come up from a nine year old to a 12 year old, which is what he is right now. Yeah. And how he pretty much looks the same, but his face has gotten a little sharper. Uh, he's a little taller. Yeah, He's a little Hayden year of Christian Edson. <laughs> He's just like, oh, this, my darling angel boy, if I I could stop time right now and just save him from all of the worries and things to come, he's sleeping so peacefully. And, you know, his main thing is he's like, oh, normally this kid has wild fucking nightmares. Like it is a problem for Anakin, 
But at this point, he is sleeping soundly and peacefully, and Obi-Wan's like, God, I wish I could just keep this for him, because I know that he suffers from fucked up main character syndrome, uh-huh. and I would prefer he did not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much that. Uh, but Jabbath is sitting there touching his head still, so he's like, uh, what's going on? And she's like, oh, he's just so pretty, isn't he? Look at this beautiful little boy. Yeah, just, it's almost a shame that we have to wake him up because it's so nice. I would love to let him just rest from all of the excitement. She's saying what Obi-Wan was thinking. Is yeah. it foreshadowing? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Maybe she also knows about the nightmares or something. I don't know. But we also get a little bit here where Obi-Wan looking down at Anakin having that whole like oh you know i kind of think of him not just as like a student but as a a son and yeah. then he's like oh well he's not so different from any other child and then he hears a voice next to him being like ah but he is to you and now you know yeah and it's like is that ghost qui-gon that yeah that's to- qui-gon because immediately afterwards we have a conversation when anakin yeah. does get waken up where he's like Hey, I was dreaming of Qui-Gon, and he was trying to teach me something, and also he's real angry that you won't let him talk to you. You're a real closed-off emotionally son of a bitch. He says it's real hard to just say hi to you, which he's constantly trying to do, apparently. And I'm like, first of all, I don't believe you. I feel like Qui-Gon wouldn't spend his time doing that. Hey, you don't know Qui-Gon. His ghost time. You don't know what Qui-Gon's ghost time is. I assume it's mostly looking in windows and seeing the boobs he was denied in life. (laughs) Ha! Uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely the vibe I got from Qui-Gon from the, you know, one movie we got of him. (laughs) Saying, oh yeah, you know, you're right. He was, he was really wishing he could just go out on a hot Coruscant night and beat up some of the local black Jedi. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, given that he was very clearly into some, you know, phrenology shit. Yeah, he was, the the problem with the midichlorian thing is that outside of books like this one where they don't know to drop it. Oh, they they say it in this yeah, book. No, they don't know to drop it. So it's yeah. in here. But in every, uh, even the, all the other books that are written after like Revenge of the Sith comes out and all that, they, they know to just let that shit go. It did, it did not test well. <laughs> yeah, man, that even, dog would not hunt. Exactly. So it leaves you with this thing that like only Qui-Gon has ever been interested in those. And, and Yoda like barely tolerated it. Yeah. He was just like, Ugh, I guess this is what I got to put up with to have Qui-Gon, who was a useful and powerful Jedi Knight. And I don't want to see him go all dooku on us. So, sure, we'll listen to your crackpot fucking theories and your little Jedi e-reader. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's honestly at that point, he's just like, no, you you have to believe me. This boy is the chosen one. He's a Sagittarius with a Virgo rising sign. Do you know how rare that is? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, Qui-Gon, sure. Plus, he, like, totally picked one of the earliest Jedi's secret toys from the big pile I had. Like, it's... Gonna, it's a problem because it left us in this weird story position where Qui-Gon comes off like a fucking crazy space racist who's way into space phrenology and no one else has ever been or will ever be again. Yeah. The fact that everyone hated it and then Lucas didn't decide, well, fuck you, I'm going to keep it and make everyone say that shit in the next two movies yeah. was like, oh, even you knew that that was dumb as fuck. So it just ends up being this weird dangling shitty part of that movie that is to be fair mostly dangling shitty parts yeah i mean it is like a fucking ymca locker room in there just dangling shitty parts it's not great (laughs) (laughs) 
Just, I haven't had another resurgence of the guy in there who is air dry or uh, literally blow drying his balls from the moment I come in to cha- to change and shower to when I'm walking out the door. Like a ten minute process, and he's still in there. Just I gotta get every I, you know these balls I mean, got a lot of angles. Here's the problem: you're you're using a hair dryer on it, and you're like, oh, I gotta I gotta dry these out, but it's hot. So then you start sweating which makes them wet again. You're just creating a problem and solving it at the same time. I'm a job creator. <laughs> Someone else air dry these balls. Uh, oh, anyway. Right. It, was also, it was me that was doing that. I walked in naked, grabbed an air dryer, <laughs> took a shower, got changed, kept drying his balls during all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm was... also Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> his arm reached out from the shower. I like to be more of a Mr. Boombastic. Really fantastic. <laughs> exactly. Um, so to get back to the point, uh, they get where they're going, sort of. They end up at a different boat change station and eventually start heading towards the mouth of the cave that's going to lead them to the factory floor where they see like a, a thick green glow. And also it starts to get unusually hot. It's very muggy where they're going. Yeah. And do we want to just do the same thing we did last episode and do all of their shit and then all of Sinar's shit? Sure, might as well. Because again, we're doing five chapters and it's just one and then the other over and over again. Yeah. So they see, you know, it's basically the Boras have covered up the top of this giant canyon, essentially making it the way Anakin sees it as the biggest enclosed space he's ever seen. Because he's like, normally this would be just like a giant valley floor. But because all of the Boras have grown and gone over the top of it, it essentially just becomes a very huge indoor area. Mm -hmm. And crawling around, coming out of a cavern in front of them that leads deeper into the factory are a bunch of seven-legged sort of insect cyborgs being ridden by some dudes. Yeah. Um, so up above them as well, the the boras have caught and started to grow around a number of boulders that seem to have fallen in from the canyon wall heavy above. Some of them are absolutely enormous, like the size of whole houses and so on. But the trees have just caught them and are holding them there, and several of them have cracked open, revealing that most of them are giant geodes and are full of crystals. Mm-hmm. And we get a whole description of how they're more full of crystals than Aunt, or than Mama Shmi's knitting uh, pin needle thing is full of needles. Yeah. Which is a weird little description that I felt like I could have done without, but it was fine. Um, but that was just sort of a neat thing. And it leads to uh, Jabatha, who is still with us at this point, saying, oh yeah, those boulders were here long before any of us actually got here. They fell in. Th- this canyon is a naturally occurring feature. We didn't really request it to be it the way it is. Um, but those boulders have always been there. It's it's the Boras protecting us. And then, yeah, here come things. These giant seven-legged bugs. And it's because their seventh leg uh, is out in front of them and kind of goes down and then scoops up. And then they have two more kind of horn things, like antenna, that go up and down. Which means these things are basically b- living cyborg forklifts. Yeah, it's... It is wild to me that they were like, this, these giant bugs come in and they are partly metal for some of them. Cause it just sort of does look like, oh, these are weird, maybe like beetle or centipede like segmented things. Cause they're sort of flat along the top where you would be. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they've got that seventh leg up front. And then they have more legs that don't get described until another chapter that are like automatically curved upward because they're basically like steak bed trucks. And then all of them have 
one guy on them each, and these are the Forgers. Yes. And they're like, hey, what up? You gotta come with us. We're gonna go do some shit. But also, we are running a little late. Like, they're planning on getting some stuff done. We gotta hustle if we want to make it in time. Yeah. To Especially because you got a fuck ton of these balls. We gotta get in there and get everything prepped real quick. Mm-hmm. And this is the point where apparently, like, part of the ceremony-wise, Gan and Jabatha cannot go with them. Yes. And Gan is sad about this, because yeah, Gan has fully drunk the Kool-Aid on the whole ceremony thing, and he's right. like, oh, would but that I could go with you, but the Magister won't allow it in his infinite wisdom. And I'm in, like, yeah, in, okay. In all my long years, I have never stepped foot beyond this point, wistful, wistful, hint, oh. hint. Oh. Can I come with you? If only I could go, but he's like, I'm not even going to ask, because of course... The Magister said no, and I'm not going to piss off the Magister. Yeah. So he's just real sad that he doesn't get to actually see how the fucking sausage is made. Yes. He's also been very culty the whole the whole trip. Like, the few things he actually says are mostly just like, I still can't believe how many balls your kid has. <laughs> or there's one point where when uh, Jabatha is talking about some sort of industrial decision her, her father made as pertains to the factory, she says like, Oh, it's a very recent decision. She's explaining why the Boras above have all kind of sealed off and so you can't even see the sun here, which is why it's like 98 degrees in here and very muggy. Yeah. It smells like like a pantry, um, a dirt pantry, basically. Uh, she's like, yeah, we have to seal it off against the sky when we're building something important so that we don't get any surprise visitors now that the world knows about us. That was my father's decision. And Gan has to be like, yes, your father is a brilliant visionary. Yes, praise be unto him. And she's like, ugh, whatever. Yeah, so. Gan, very clearly, out of everyone we've met on this planet, is the one who has the most bought into the hype. Yes, absolutely. Um, so these guys who are approaching, uh, it, first, at first uh, he gets, Anakin asks Jabatha if these are the Gentari which is a word that we've heard in previous chapters, but maybe not mentioned yet. They are giant shapers that help with the tasks, and we don't know what they are yet. Yeah. We don't know if they're boras, like if they're some kind of animal from the planet, or if they're cyborgs or another species that also lives here from another world. We don't know, but they're called the Gentari. And she goes, no, these aren't the Gentari. Don't be silly. Those are carapals. Um, Or I think it's carapals, which is what the bugs are called. And they're being ridden by the Forgers, as John mentioned, which are yet another species that are extra uh, extraplanetary in origin. They're not they're not uh, Boras. These are the Langesi. Yeah, and the Langesi got driven from their home. They had a giant diaspora because they used to be super big into essentially like making specialized creatures mm-hmm. and like genetic manipulation of just like. Oh, we make designer pets and things for people. Yeah. So that was their big deal. But there was some other species out in the galaxy that was like, the oh, doing, yeah, the, the cinemals. Yeah. Ugh. That, that was like, oh, uh, doing that is against our God's wishes and we're going to have a holy crusade against you. And this is all happening in Anakin's head. So we're like, Anakin's like, yeah, I read once about the tiny planet of the Langesi where a bunch of peaceful bioengineers lived and we're basically like, Ithorians, but yellow humans instead. Yeah, it's basically just like, ah, oh, we made, you know, made to deliver rabbits for people. Yeah, so they're like animal Ithorians, uh, where Ithorians do that just with trees. Uh, and and then these cinemals, whose god had nothing to say about rampant piracy and galactic expansion, 
didn't like it when these guys made cool bugs. And so they decided to wipe them out, and then their diaspora sent them all over the world where they're still quite popular on Coruscant, and I guess a bunch ended up here. What do you know? Which makes perfect sense for them to be here, because you're like, oh, it's a whole planet that's deal is making very specific things out of the genetic material here. Yeah, they're perfect to have arrived here, so that's kind of a neat little coincidence, I'm sure. Well, I mean, we already know that the Magister, uh, or at least the grandfather, the one who started things here, was like, oh yeah, he got some more Feroans and then went out and found more people to come here. So you, I have to assume, he was like, oh, I handpicked, like, geneticists and biologists and shit like that to come here because that's what we need. Which surprises me that we don't haven't already found out that there are Ithorians here. They would make <laughs> as much sense if not more. Oh, it would make perfect sense, but this is trying to be a weird, uh, like, a secret planet, and having an, an Ithorian is like, oh, we know what you are. I guess that's fair. These are all new species that all just happen to look like colors of human. Yeah. But, uh, but they yeah. get their main guy who's like, climb aboard, we gotta go. I'm shirtless and muscly as hell. Let's do this, brother. Also, every description of this guy is how his face wrinkles up. So everything he does causes his face to get yet more wrinkly. Uh. Every time he does anything, he's like, he looks to the sky, his face wrinkling upon its wrinkles until it's real wrinkly. So I, 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 they want you to know he's real leathery, um, I guess. Also, his name? Vag. No? I mean, yes, it is Vagno, or Vagno. <laughs> I, I read it as Vagno. I also read it was a silent G. His name's just Vano. Vano. I, I, I don't know what you... I, I don't think I was actually reading it as Vagno, although that would be a very fun new incel term. Maybe. I we mean, call ourselves I could... the Vagnos. Vagino. We live in the far future where incels still exist but have chosen a new name from the before four. I mean, I assume that would be more Volcel than incel. <laughs> I guess you have to have a thing about why they can't. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that or we're the Vagno for us. <laughs> we're we're a, a new branch of the No Ma'am from Married with Children, <laughs> which is itself a new branch of the No Madge from the uh, Harry Potter sequels. <laughs> yes, that's exactly the timeline of that. <laughs> uh huh. That's how the world worked. It went from Harry. <laughs> you started in, in, in fucking Married with Children, went back to the 1920s. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. We got to go back to the future. No other reason. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> anyway, uh, they get on these bugs and they head off to the pits, the forging pits. They mentioned that the bugs are ex- exceptionally comfortable to ride. There is one point before Jabatha is like, hey, I'll see you at the other side of this whole operation. I'm also not allowed to go in there. And Anakin asks him, wait, are those things alive? And she goes, oh, yeah, most of them. Like... A lot of them have a lot of metal parts on them at this point. And to me, that, go- that reminds me of, uh, what's his name? The shaper guy who's got one arm and like not that many fingers left on that one. Because he got too close to a shaping operation and he just became kind of part of it on accident. Yeah. I think that's probably happening with these bugs, too. Uh, but we don't know. No idea. I mean, it could be that they're like, oh, yeah. I mean, given that we shape basically everything that lives here, it could just be that we're like, oh, we need parts of them to be mechanical for certain reasons and that's the way they're made yeah but because not all of them are mechanical in the exact same places or ways it's possible that it's just oh yeah shit got fucked up for them either because they got too close to a shaping or here in the forging process maybe they got fucked up but they show up to these pits there are a few other things getting made in the forges right now that was a surprise there are three other pits that are active the same day with three other like 
multi-billionaire playboy types way off in the distance, at least half a kilometer away for each one of them so they can't see each other too closely, building more stuff. Yeah, and, you know, they have to, as we had found out in the previous chapters, they do the whole, like, yeah, a bunch of, like, Bora Deterus gets dumped on here, so mm-hmm. a bunch of, like, bark and twigs and leaves and whatnot get dumped into a pit. Which they're riding in. The tops of these these uh, carapals or carapods or whatever they're called are covered in the, tin- the, the tinder for that. So they have a bunch of, like, small fraying material on top of them. And then there's more bugs on the ceiling that have underslung baskets that are full of the good heavy burning shit. And... They toss all that shit in there, along with the balls. The balls go down to the bottom. And we get a bunch of pellets, which is, I assume, their like, long-burning nonsense that they need to put they, in there. They mentioned when they talked about the natural process by which balls get shaped by the tampasi or forest, that the, the bigger boras dispense pellets of, of some kind of nutrient or burning material all over the, the burning areas before they light it on fire. So that's probably just what that is. More yeah. of those. It's just the pellets they need for this to happen. Uh-huh. And then we get to watch as the, as previously mentioned, uh, the boras that have the sort of metal tipped tops to them get ready for a lightning strike so they can fully fucking Dr. Frankenstein this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even though when the boras do open up and we see the sky here and it's super dark and they're like, oh, I I guess the boars control the weather here. Yeah, there's a part where, where Anakin just goes, oh, the Tampasi controls the weather. And Obi-Wan's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I, Anakin's being real weird throughout this chapter. I get he's like super tired and he's really excited about the ship. But the other part that got me was in the last segment of him talking to Jabatha before she leaves. There's like a whole bunch of musicians that descend from on high to like play the important fanfare for them. And she's like, aren't you excited? And he goes, why would I be excited? Because you're about to build, you're like the youngest person who ever got to build one of these ships, and you're building the biggest one ever. And he's like, I guess that's a good reason to be excited. And then she's like, she's like, yeah, so isn't all this great? Don't you love the music? And he goes, yeah, if you love that music, I guess it's good music. <laughs> yeah, if you're into that. <laughs> Which is like, what's going on with him? Yeah, that was r- a real weird moment, because I'm like, Anakin has spent this entire book being like, fucking spaceships, woo! And then the second he's about to build one, he's like, yeah, I guess this is okay if you're a fucking nerd. I love that he moves the moment he notices that this girl is displaying any kind of interest in him. He moves into petulant negging mode. It's like this dude had somehow seen of Attack of the Clones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) But yeah, even though we've got the whole like, oh, there's a storm of brewing and we've got a whole... uh, like circle of essentially like I guess lighter fluid goes into the hole as well. Yeah, there's like this weird ring that descends from the ceiling that's also partially alive, like it's a Bora thing, and it's ringed with all kinds of weird tools. And also at one point they tap it in a special way because all these forger dudes, of which Vagno is in charge of all of them, they they have like these halberd blades that are like long, and they use them to like poke the 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 ring until it opens up a port and disgorges lighter fluid everywhere. Yeah, it's wild. But they have a big like ring of lighter fluid in there, as well as these boras doing that. But even through all that, uh, Vagno is still just like, oh, I've I've got like a lighter on me. I've got just like a flare I can throw down there in case this doesn't work, because. Just in case the lightning doesn't come or the lightning strike doesn't manage to light this whole thing on fire, we're not just going to go, well, too bad. He's <laughs> like, no, I'm I'm going to set this bitch on fire regardless. We'll just assume this works this first. This gender reveal will happen. 
<laughs> oh, watch out. These balls explode. <laughs> Meanwhile, Obi-Wan is like, uh, he's a little worried because he's like, all right, so I think we're about to experience something that, oh, oh, you know what? Before I even mention that, Obi-Wan on the walk to, once they get into the factory, on the walk to the pit they throw their balls into, he's getting weird. And he's weird because he's starting to notice a message hidden in the balls. Yeah. Anakin has also been like, what's up with these balls? They seem to know a lot about what's about to happen. And Anakin's like, or Obi-Wan's like, yeah, the ones that don't get selected and turned into things get returned to the world. Their consciousness re- it remains, and then they get dropped as balls again. So they, a lot of them have done this before. And, well, and not a lot of them. Just the some. ones that Vergeer had, essentially. Yeah. So he's like, wait a minute. Vergeer implanted a message on some of these balls, and now I'm able to read it. I'm just now being able to pick up this message. And she basically says, like, hey, the fucking Yuzhan Vong are coming. Essentially. Like, not as many words, and you have to know what we know to get there, but she's like, I had to leave. I had to leave what I was doing. There's a bigger mystery. There's an extra galactic threat. Something from beyond the boundaries is is coming soon, and, and we need to know what, and I need to go to another planet to solve it. Yeah. But during this, when Obi-Wan is like, oh, I'm really heavily psychically resonating with these balls, and I'm that's why I'm finally able to get this message that Vergeer like, psychically implanted into these, Anakin is almost getting, like, fully taken over because he has 12 of these that he is psychically linked to. And they're constantly yelling at him. And he is having a moment where he's like, I'm almost being subsumed by the Ball's personality because he's like, for some reason walking through here, I feel comfortable. I feel like I I know where I am. I'm losing my own thing. I look at Obi-Wan, I'm like, Hey, who's that guy? Mm-hmm. And he is having a moment where he's like, "Oh shit, hold on, I gotta, I gotta reel this in because I am definitely getting fucked up by psychic emanations." Who is that guy? Wasn't he in Train Spotting? <laughs> oh, dude, I know that guy. He's in, he's in fucking Moulin Rouge. That yeah, guy. That's the, it's the fucking guy who hangs Dong in the Pillow Book. <laughs> that guy. Yep, that's it. The guy who hangs Dong in the Pillow Book. It's true. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> But then he's like, okay, I'll just do a Jedi trance that centers myself and kind of... Because Obi-Wan's like, hey, I think I, as I'm getting this message about Vergeer from one of my balls, uh, you are clearly coming under the sway of just 12 different consciousnesses sort of fighting inside of you. So could you, like, get your shit together? And Anakin's like, oh, yeah, duh. I'm fine. Yeah. He just manages to be like, all right, I have suppressed that. I have held on to the part of me that is me. But what that whole, like, deep psychic connection happens is still happening even when the balls are in the pit and as soon as you know the lightning strike does happen it does get set on fire the balls are afraid yeah because they're like i am on fire right now yes and that is fucking anakin up because he's like oh shit they're how, how many, they're freaked out yeah he basically he has this moment to himself where he's like the balls aren't even technically sentient they just have the potential to one day be sentient. They're basically just, oh, they have an awareness and sensoriums, and that's it. I mean, they they have the sentience in the way that, like, an animal has a sentience. Yeah. They don't really have sapience, but they yeah, do have that, awareness. That's fair. Uh, they have a response to external stimuli that would qualify as a, as a sapience of some kind. Or sentience. Sentience of some kind. Uh, but, so he talks to Vagno, and he's like, hey, how many of them live through this? And Vagno just goes, most. <laughs> yeah, most of them. My face got wrinkly. Most. And Anakin's like, most? He's like, yeah, it's a hard process. They get set on fucking fire. 
you know, the ones that don't live do get returned to the Tempasi, so it's not like there's any loss. And don't worry, I'm the best at this. Yeah, I'm the coolest guy here at forging. And of course, all of Vagno's buddies in the back are like, that dude sucks. Yeah. And he's like, ah, don't worry, we're actually friends. But I but I am the best. And you know that the people, if they were all the the, the other ones building like half a kilometer away, are like, yeah, no, he isn't. Uh, it's just oh, bravado. Oh, yeah. I assume that it's, you know, one of those things of the experience. where the forgers at the other pits are like, uh, you're lucky with me. The guys over at the other pits suck ass, but yeah. I'm the best. But Anakin's just like, I wish he had said all of them, but I, I guess I get it. Some of them aren't going to make it. And then... They light the fucking, the lightning strike comes down. It turns out he didn't need to light that little wick that he was going to throw in there in case he's like, ah, a Skyfire, the best kind, and you will have the best ship. And both Obi-Wan and Anakin are having a unique experience, even among what is already kind of a very rare experience, because Jedi don't usually build these ships. So they're able to stay mind-linked with the balls in the, in the pit, and they yeah. feel them as they go through this process of birth and death and burning and renewal. Yeah, and that is... A wild thing for them, especially, yeah. again, for Anakin, because he's linked to so many. Yeah. But he's like, it's not just that they're afraid, because they are definitely afraid, but all of them have this sense of like, oh, there's an idea of destiny and becoming and potential that they have. Yeah. And so this it's not get... just like, oh, I'm fucked up that this is happening. He's like, this is... Just a very unique sensation. And this is when we get the big moment, which makes me wonder if that actually is the Qui-Gon voice. I think there's two ways you could go. One, it's Qui-Gon. Two, it's Zonama Sakat. Uh, and the reason I think it might be that is because at this point, we get the coolest one, which is when a voice says to Anakin as he's watching the fire, this is going to happen to you. Yeah, because he's having that thing like, oh, they're burning and then they're going to become something else. And he's like, yeah, that's going to happen to you. And I went... Well, yes, technically, that is exactly what's going to happen to him. He yeah. will burn up and become something else. Yeah, and, and the, the voice says, it remains to be seen whether you will be tempered and made more wise by this or whether you will become burned and become a force of destruction that rages across the galaxy. But this is going to happen to you. And that's pretty much where we end all of the Anakin Obi-Wan chapters here. Beyond Vagno kind of going, oh, they're exploding. The balls are exploding. Yeah, please move back because they are exploding and they're like catching on fire like obi-wan is having to like pat out little fires on anakin's robes and he's like step back sometimes the balls explode twice it's not common usually they need a glass of milk in like 20 minutes first but sometimes they explode twice but this is going to be great you'll have the best ship yeah <laughs> balls already exploded but it's still burning <laughs> yeah and then i guess it's time to talk about r2 Wraith, Sinar, and Key Dave chapters. Yes. Uh, Sinar, of course, up on the ship, is awaiting news of what's going on with Key Dave and is hanging out looking at what he has at his disposal. Yes, he's supposed to be beginning inventory on his flying droid army. Like, he's going to do a quick tour to check their readiness. Yeah, because, I mean, at least from Ket's perspective, because he's gotten all of his information for what this mission is from Tarkin, so he's like, oh, I didn't even think we would do a try and get this without violence. I assumed this was going to be a conquest mission from the start. Yes. So he's just like, yeah, man, whenever you want to go, it's fucking go time. We we got everything prepped if you want to go down there. And Siner's like, no, man, let it cook. I got Key Dave down there trying to do his shit. Let that happen. Yeah, just just trust me for a little while. Thank you. I don't actually care if you trust me or not. Just obey my orders for a while and leave me alone. Yeah. 
And we get a little, a little bit more cat here than usual, but we're still not following him around. We're not going to get his perspective, I don't think. No. But he's just like, I'm used to Tarkin uh, or to the Trade Federation. They have a certain way of doing things. This guy is doing random other crap. I'm not a fan. I don't like it. He's going to make me look bad. He might get me killed. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Sinar, of course, he gets handed a uh, little message pad. He's like, oh, Tarkin wants an update on what's going on. Yeah, he must be super upset about things. He's just like, I need to know what you're doing there. And Sinar has a moment where he's like, what am I going to say to my good friend Tarkin here? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm not going to tell him the truth. That'd be stupid. That would be silly. (laughs) So instead... I'm going to fuck with him because I'm Ray Sinar and that's what I do to people. Mm -hmm. So he just sends back a message that's like, well, your assassin tried to kill me and it didn't work. I'm going to get stuff from the planet. Don't bother showing up. Bye. Yeah. It's like, okay, so your dumb assassin tried to kill me, which we went right over. You're absolutely right. Uh, I sent him on an honor suicide mission in response. So he's doing that right now. Meanwhile, I made a huge mysterious discovery no details though details later (laughs) details when i see you later kiss kiss hug hug (laughs) here's a selfie (laughs) bye and he's just like oh that's gonna make tarkin so pissed he'll be here in three days (laughs) he is this is first he is gonna get here as quick as he can and hopefully by the time he gets here i will have finished my dumb horse shit but i cannot wait for him to get here and be all angry at me and have that angry Tarkin face. Ooh, he's going to push me down. (laughs) Oh, I think choking play might even come into it. (laughs) Ah, yes. Wraith Sinar loves breath play. (laughs) Dude's born too soon. He could have lived in the Vader era. (laughs) Oh, Vader, I was insubordinate. (laughs) I failed your thing, Vader. (laughs) You have failed me for the last time. Harder, daddy. The force is a hokey old religion. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Sinar born too soon. <laughs> he should try and get himself on the Dooku detail. <laughs> oh, oh, he's on that Dooku detail. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to get choked out by Dracula. Oh, <laughs> uh, couldn't ask for more. <laughs> Wait, Andy Saruman? <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so he gets two message tubes because he also gets one from the planet below. Yeah, and he eventually is... gets a message back from uh, Key Dave. Yeah, Key Dave has to send up an update, and it's an I have failed in my mission type of deal because this is my favorite part of this whole set of chapters, Beyond even including that little Vader foreshadowing I kind of liked. But the part where he's like, yeah, Key Dave, they're uh, rejecting his pe- his application to build a ship because apparently all the balls rejected him. Yeah, none and, of the balls like Key Dave. And, and they ate his clothes. <laughs> yeah. The balls fell from the ceiling, ate his clothes, and then fucked off. And they're like, nah, we don't like you. And I love that we don't even need to deal with Key Dave. He's just down on the planet. We're just hearing this. The embarrassing shit is happening to Key Dave at a distance, and that's enough. Like, oh, the balls ate all of his clothes, and then he fell face first into a series of pies. (laughs) He tried to leave the ball pit and then stepped on a rake, and that was unfortunate. And then that was just a whole big circle of rakes, it turned out. (laughs) 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 Who wants to drive through the cactus patch? Me, me, not Key Dave. <laughs> Two against one. <laughs> I will assassinate your family line. <laughs> so, yeah, Key Dave has failed, but when Ket's like, oh, so are we going to just bring him back and fucking go to town on this planet then? He's like, 
Nah, let him cook. We'll see if he can still do something. I'll give him another day. Yeah, give him another day. I don't know to do what other than hang around naked on the planet and be like, I wish I had clothes. Put me back in the ballroom. I promise to be good. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if you think Key Dave is going to be charismatic enough to convince these people to be like, nah, give me another shot at the ball cave. I never quite understood how this plan was supposed to work anyway. Key Dave is not charismatic in the first place. He's I mean, you don't need to be charismatic. I guess that's You fair. just need to be picked by balls. Yeah, the balls need to pick you, but I can't... I mean, I guess one thing we... We don't know how much Wraith Sinar knows about the whole process. We know he knows more than, than Tarkin thinks he does. Yeah, because he has had access to both the pilot from the last ship before he died yeah, so he, and this droid. So he probably knows about the balls. Yeah, he's, he's like, oh, I know the, the selection process. Yeah, I, I just... I assume his guess was that you know, the ball thing is part of the show. Like, they always give you some balls because they want your money. Yeah. Because oh, he's a businessman. He's like, there's no way someone shows up with $6 billion to buy a thing, goes through the entire vetting process that the droid would do to show up on planet, and then they're not going to sell you one. Yeah. There is something we missed in the other chapters that's probably worth going back for just because it'll probably turn up again later. And that's during the introduction to Vagno when they're talking to him. And he's like, yes. I'm glad to ma have your acquaintance, and of course I will not have it for forever, because after this there will be a great forgetting, as decreed by the Magister, and just as there was before, because we did build the big ones. And then Obi-Wan has to be like, what the fuck is he talking about? What are they building that's bigger than the starships they're selling to people? What is happening here? Oh yeah, well, I mean, he mentions that was why they had to hurry up. He's like, we need to do this before they start making some big ones again. Yes, and there's something about a great forgetting, which suggests to me that the, the Magister has control over, like, mind-wipe sky chemicals oh, yeah. or something. I mean, in, earlier in the book, we knew they basically mind-wipe you after you leave mm -hmm. so that you don't remember how this works. Yes. But he was like, oh, you'll remember certain things. You'll like, certainly you'll, remember me. You'll, you'll remember me. You'll remember being on the planet, but you won't remember any of the details of how this works. Yeah. So we have this whole, like, what are they building that's bigger than the starships they're making to sell to random people? And I feel like the answer is probably they got in a fight with the Yuzhan Vong at some point, which put all these scrapes on their planet. And which now they're course, trying to build anti-Yuzhan Vong tech. I mean, Ket also and Sinar have a conversation yes. about that. Ket's like, so about the gouges in the planet. And Wraith's just like, well, do you, do you think this is like battle wounds or what do you think was going on there? And he's like, well, it's not turbo lasers or any tech we have. Anything that would have been able to blast gouges in a planet like that from our tech leaves a distinct signature and look. Mm -hmm. Like if... Burns, basically. Yeah, he's like, if a, you know, capital ship turbo laser battery had blasted that gouge in the planet, it would look a certain way, leave a certain chemical composition behind. Like, you would be able to tell yeah. if our weapons had done that. And none of that's here. The only thing that could account outside of just, you know mining and shit like that for this type of gouge in the planet is a specific type of weaponry that, that is exist. theoretical. Yes. <laughs> but he knows the theory, so he's like, I think it's called like a neutron emission generator or something. Yeah, it's basically like an ion particle generator. So he's like, oh yeah, if someone had like a particle disruptor, they could do that and it would probably end up making gouges that look like that. This, of course is theoretical yes. because that tech doesn't exist, but in theory, that might be able to produce that type of thing. Yeah, and we get a moment from Sinar where he's like, 
theoretical, because apparently Sinar's already figured out how to do them. I wouldn't be surprised if in this book that's a foreshadowing as to what the canon that the Death Star has is, given that they're establishing him as one of the designers behind the gun on it. Yeah. Because um, he's just like, they're not theoretical. Some of us have built lab wor- working lab ones of those. Yeah. He's, I mean, even in this and the last chapters, every time Ket tells him something, he's like, yeah, I know. I just wanted to hear you say it. Exactly. He just wants confirmation. In fact, he gets, he has this weird thing where he wants to hear Ket say this stuff, largely because it backs up his existing theories, but he's also kind of grumpy about it. Well, yeah, because he's like, I wish you would tell me something I didn't know, because just reaffirming what I know sucks. It's not just that, but he's also like, I hate that your dumb, stupid little brain is coming up with shit that was patently obvious to me. I wanted to be even smarter. (laughs) I don't want you to know what I know. Yeah, I hate that you knew that just because I already figured that out a while ago. It's also a thing, of course, where he's like, all right, if push comes to shove, I can take this squad down. And from everything I have heard and seen about this planet we should have the forces to you know essentially do strong-arm diplomacy to get them to give us a ship yeah but he is worried that he's like okay but if someone had the weaponry that is capable of doing those gouges and the planet fought them off they would almost certainly be able to beat the shit out of us yeah and then Sinar's like, well, yeah, but they don't have that. We've been watching them for days, and they clearly don't have that type of weaponry. Something happened. They lo- they lost a fight. And, and yeah, because uh, Ket is like, oh, well, maybe there was an like on planet civil war type situation where one faction developed this weaponry and used it, and so instead of it being extraplanetary, it was just intraplanetary, and they used it unilaterally all over the planet in random spots instead of in one geographic region versus another. It doesn't really make sense. And it would still be around. Like, you'd still see that faction having those weapons, whereas everything we've seen, there is nothing to indicate that. Exactly. So he's like, someone did this to them, and what's crazy to me is that we see no evidence that they have built anything to prevent it happening again. Yeah. He's like, every single piece of evidence shows they are absolutely defenseless, and he's like, either they got fucked up by some planet and capitulated hard and gave them whatever they wanted, or they had the means to fight them off. And he's like, obviously, I want it to be the first one because I'm trying to do that, and that would be great if they would also just capitulate for me. And if they had already seen a show of force from someone else, they might be primed to give in to strong-arm tactics already. Yeah. But if it's the other one and they can fight off someone with huge experimental hyper-weapons we might be fucked by doing this, but what's the chances of that? Yeah, especially, what's the chances of that, of them having crazy weapons, you know, on a planet that is one half, 50%, shrouded by permanent clouds so we can't see what's going on under there. There's no way that they would be able to hide a useful interplanetary army on half a planet. Yeah, oh, there's no way that half of a planet's worth of secrecy could mean anything bad. Yeah. It's... That is the one part of this where I'm like, Wraith, Sinar, buddy, my man, mm-hmm. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Your key Dave plan is the best one you had. The let's go send a guy and see if we can just get one without trying to fuck up shit. Yeah. I think the thing that's probably missing from everybody's calculations that would be useful and that we know, but even in this book we know, is that Zonama Sakata is alive. Yeah. And I think, and we don't know yet from confirmation from this book at all, and I don't know from the, the future, st- the little tidbits I know about its part in the Darkness Crisis and shit like that, I think it can move. Oh, yeah. So this planet sure definitely ran. came 
from the fucking, like, Yuzhan Vong territory and yeah. fucked off. Yeah, which is another galaxy entirely. That's the whole point of the Yuzhan Vong, is that they're extra-galactic invaders, which is weird for Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but the the whole thing to me is, like, I think this planet can move, which means they ran from the Yuzhan Vong, and they had to do it recently, because those gouges look recent. Yeah. So, something weird's going on there. I, I, I don't know what. But anyway, Sinar's like, yeah, get ready to invade if we have to. We can do a little bit of our old... And I love that they're using the euphemisms where Ket's like, should we uh, approach diplomatically or should we go uh, approach for negotiations? Yeah. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. 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 Droid negotiations. The kind where they have guns. Yeah, you know. Negotiations mm-hmm. with lasers. Bob's your uncle. Wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. Say no more. Yeah. And again, Sinar's like, dude, just fucking let Key Dave cook for a day. Mm-hmm. Let him find out what's going on. We'll figure it out. Because let me tell you something. Busting. <laughs> Let me tell you something important. I don't want to go down there. Not so much because I'm scared of Zonama Sakat, but because there's two fucking Jedi on that planet. And they are much more dangerous than you think and that Tarkin thinks. I, I happen to know. I have seen Jedi do stuff, and I know they will fuck your shit directly. Yeah. Key Dave fought them. He knows. He barely knows because he was willing to go down to that planet again. But I'm pretty sure he's not coming up. Well, yeah, his... Well, his mission wasn't go down there and assassinate those, try and assassinate the Jedi again. It was go try and buy a ship. Yeah. But, you know, he's just like, I, I've seen what Jedi can do. I, I'm going to wait for them to leave, if at all possible. Yeah, they have the tendency to fuck up well-laid plans. Yeah. So I'm going to not try and do an invasion while they're there, because that's just begging to tip the scales. Mm-hmm. And while I'm usually a fan of just begging... <laughs> I love tipping those scales, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm a feeder as well. <laughs> I've got lots of things going on. Uh, my fet lo- life profile is just all hashtags of what I'm so into. Many hashtags. How many of them start with hyper? More than you'd think. <laughs> Oddly, a lot, mm-hmm. but maybe not as many as you might assume, <laughs> given the number of tags that I have. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's pretty much it. That's our, our uh, set of five chapters for the week. Lots of stuff going on, but still not any cool fighting or anything. Yeah, we still haven't gotten to the point where they're making a ship. Yeah. Uh, Sinar has not moved on the planet. We've just still got him sitting up in space scheming. Lots of space mysteries left. Yep. What's the Magister? What are the Genturai? What, what did this planet run away from? Is it obviously the Yuzhan Vong? Where did Vergier go? Well, we might find out or not. Stay tuned. Next bat time, or same bat time, same bat channel. Different bat time. Yeah. It's a bat time for the for me. <laughs> uh, so, you know, check us out later and we'll, we'll keep the story going. Otherwise, if you would like to hear more, why not head over to our Patreon? Woo! Patreon.com slash System Mastery, where if you support us at the low bargain basement price of $4 per month, you will receive our bonus content expanded expounded universe in which we describe crazy shit we find on Wikipedia to each other and to you. That's right. There's a lot of stuff in the expanded universe in all sorts of media and some of it a little weirder than others. Mm-hmm. So we, f- we like to find that and figure out what's going on there. And uh, of course, that also gives you ad-free versions of the show. You get your own uh, RSS feed that gives you that. Uh, you get access to our bonus content for the System Mastery Show. And if you go up to the $10 a month, then you also get TV Mastery. You get uh, our Afterthought podcast monthly. You get a bunch of access to things on our Discord. 
It's all great, it's wonderful, and it supports the show, lets us keep doing what we're doing. That's absolutely right. It's a great way, way to help us out. Uh, so if you feel like doing that, go ahead and head on over to patreon.com slash systemmastery and support us at any of the levels. If not, we understand. It's a t- tough market out there. It's a hard world. Just uh, recommend our show to someone else. You know, go to uh, iTunes or Stitcher or something and tell people all about us and give us nice ratings and reviews. Yeah, just be like, hey, five stars. I love these dudes. Fucking mm-hmm. great. Yeah, This yep. is good. It's a yep. good time. So, hey. Thank you so much for your consideration and for listening. Otherwise, I've been Elan Sleaze Bagano. And I love breath play.